we all enter the race. But only one will take the prize. So we work longer, we strive harder, with our focus on one thing. It's why we sweat every inch, because every move we make matters. Every choice, every turn, it's all to reach the goal, to arrive at the finish line. We are all racing for something. The question is, what are you racing for? Well, good morning. Take your Bible, turn to Luke chapter 9. Luke chapter 9. Here's the deal. We are finishing up a teaching series called Roadblocks. And these are the things that are in our lives that keep us from moving forward spiritually. And if we were to take a real-life assessment, a real-life diagnostic of all, all of our, every person on campus and online with us and really around the world, all of us have these roadblocks. And the better way or the biblical way to describe these roadblocks are idols. These things in our lives that we focus on and we choose not to move past. And every person who calls upon the name of Jesus, who wants to grow spiritually, who has Christ in their life, has these roadblocks. And I guarantee you, as you try and attempt and pray toward moving forward spiritually, you're going to encounter one of these. And what we've done is we boiled them into three huge roadblocks. And categorically speaking, there could be several little roadblocks inside of these. But what we've learned over the last few weeks, we, got, we got, went to Exodus chapter 32. Now, let's put that on the screen there. Now, we'll go all the way back to the very first message in this series. And it really is the narrative of the Israelite people coming out of bondage in Egypt. And they come to a place called Mount Sinai, and Moses, their leader, goes onto the mountain for several, several weeks to get a word from the Lord. And this is where he's given the Ten Commandments. Y'all remember this, right? He's given these Ten Commandments. But he was on the mountain for so long, the Israelite people that he's abandoned us. So what are we going to do? And so their solution was to create a golden image or a golden calf. Now, there's a lot of reasons why they chose a cow. I think they're all bad reasons. But it was an idol which they could say visibly, this is our God. We're like the other nations now. And therefore, we can be at peace. Now, notice what happens here. It says, when the people saw that Moses was, no long, was, was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, who's the high priest, Moses' brother. And notice what they say. Come, make us gods who will go before us. Now, that's in verse 2. Come, make for us gods that will go before us. Just like the other nations, give us something that's going to fight our battles. Because Moses has been there forever. We don't know when he's coming down. And then they says this. Go make for us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us up out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. And so Aaron answered and said this, Take off all your gold earrings for that your wives and your sons and everything you have and bring them to me. And out of that gold, he creates a cow. And there were three major idols or roadblocks that the people of Israel were facing. And we've dealt with two of them so far. One was the idea of security. And it says, as long as I feel safe, as long as I don't think I'm going to lose everything, lose my mind, lose my life, lose my health, whatever it may be, I'll be okay. You ever created an idol of safety and security? Everybody say yes, right? We've done that. We've dealt with that one. Last week, we dealt with the idol of approval. 
The people of Israel wanted to feel like the other nations to have a God go out before them. And all of us have struggled through this. The idol of comparison, approval, keeping up with the Joneses. As long as I fit in, I'm okay. And what we do is we exchange faithfulness towards the Lord with the idea of fitting in and not causing any issues. You been there? This morning we deal with the last one. And it's the idea of comfort. As long as I'm comfortable, and this is not just like being in your lazy boy tonight eating some chicken wings, okay? It's the idea of I want to maintain the status quo in my life and not step out of my comfort zone to where I feel awkward or weird. Things are fine. Any of y'all been there before? Do I want to change anything? I don't want anything to move on past any of my logical comprehension so that I have to step out on faithfulness. I just want to just be cool, you know? It's the idea of comfort. It's the idea of just staying put. And the thing is about this whole comfort issue is that this is something that's been a long time coming for us as well as the Israelites. In Exodus chapter 14, verse 2, right before they crossed the Red Sea, God had brought them out of Egypt. He had done several plagues to convince Pharaoh to get them out of Egypt. And they come up to the Red Sea. Pharaoh is breathing down their necks. And this is what they say. Didn't we say, didn't we say to you in Egypt, Moses, leave us alone. Let us serve the Egyptians. It would be better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. That's comfort, right? Because I don't have to change anything. But in the midst of not changing anything, I miss God's blessing. I miss God's purpose. I miss God's pattern. Have any of y'all been there before? See, this is a spiritual cement that keeps us from moving forward, that keeps us from pushing on. All of us have this place of peace, a place where you go to maybe and you just kind of, if I had hair, let down our hair, right? To where you just breathe. I don't know what yours is. You know, for me, years ago, uh, we were living in Louisiana. We would come back to Georgia to visit family. And this is before everybody moved into the area, grew up on a farm. And early in the morning or late in the evening, I would go up to this hill on the farm, and I would look over it, and it would be a little valley there, and it was just my peace place. I'll never forget, pastor I served under asked the question, where's your peace place? And this kid in the back room said, Pizza Hut. <laughs> but where's your peace place? Could be Starbucks. I hope not. <laughs> where's your place where you just kind of like... How many of you guys like the beach? That's your peace place, right? You're living for it. But I'll never forget, sitting on this ridge, we had an infant at the time, and I really needed a lot of peace. Not, not, not as much as my wife. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out there because I'm not stupid. But we, I needed some peace. So that morning, obviously we were up early. I walk out to the ridge. I sit down, and it's just like, oh, thank you, Lord. I'm in the middle of the pasture. I'm in a place that's comfortable. I have this peace, and all of a sudden, the saddest moment of my life happened. On one ridge line, I looked across on somebody else's property, and a bulldozer was pushing through to create a neighborhood. And on the other ridge line, on the other person's property, a bulldozer was pushing through to create another neighborhood, and the peace was gone. And here's what happens. I want you to understand this. When we refuse to move out of our comfort zone, that comfort zone becomes a zone of toxicity. You hear that? When we refuse to move out of our comfort zone, eventually it's going to become very uncomfortable. And it's going to become toxic. We see this all the time. For those of you that grew up in a church context, do you remember all the battles about what type of music was to be played? For those of you that grew up in a home 
that maybe had to make some adjustments or changes because of spiritual growth and you chose not to and became very toxic, did it not? And the thing is, when we choose not to move forward and to stay put, not only does nothing happen, the comfort leads to toxicity. And over time, that will kill your spirituality. So the question we want to deal with this morning is how do I step out of that comfort zone? Now, I want you to understand something. There is the idea of stepping out of our comfort zone to be more Christ-like and to share Jesus with others. And that's what people typically run to, right? But this is the comfort zone to be more Christocentric, to have Jesus in your forethoughts and in your mind and making your decisions based upon that Christ is alive and he loves you, he's died for you, he's risen from the dead, and if you know him, you'll go to heaven one day. It's the idea that there is more to life, that there is a big God, like we read in Psalms 2. The nations may conspire, the nations may rage, but our God sits on the front throne, right? It goes beyond just saying, I need to do something. It's where you choose to have your perspective. And so in Luke chapter 9, Jesus gives this whole illustration, one right after the other, starting in verse 57, about what comfort zones do and how important it is to step out on them. Now, I'm going to read you about five or six verses here. And these are some of the harshest, I want you to hear me on this, on line two, this is some of the, some of the harshest statements you will ever hear Jesus say, okay? I only can think of maybe one more, and it's when he told Simon Peter, get behind me, Satan, because nobody wants the king of the universe to call them the devil, Right? But these statements are going to be kind of offensive. No, they, be kind, they will be offensive, all right? And they're going to take some explaining to do here in a moment to help you understand what they mean. But notice what he says. Let's read the whole thing, and then we're going to catch three realizations that Christ gives us, and then we'll get to some specific application. Notice what happens here. As they were walking along the road, a man came up to Jesus and said this, I will follow you wherever you go. Now let's stop here. Have you ever said that to Christ? Have you ever had, God, if you'll just answer this prayer, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. Any of y'all ever done that? Yeah, all of us have. Did we follow through with it? No. Thank God for grace, right? Then he says this. Keep on going. Notice how Jesus responds to this dude. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. That sounds really weird. The guy says, I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. And basically Christ says, yeah, I'm homeless. Isn't that basically what he's saying? Like, I know where to live. Well, that sounds like a God I want to chase after right there. And that flies in the face of this whole prosperity nonsense of where if you follow Jesus and you love him and you do those things that are important and you, and you have faith, he's going to bless you with finances and security and blessing. No! Jesus was homeless, guys. Are we better? Everybody say no, Okay. But here's the point, and here's the realization he's bubbling forth in this passage. And this is what I want you to get. When you follow Christ, hear this, there is a cost. When you choose to follow Jesus, there is a cost. Life isn't rainbows and finances when you follow Jesus. But there is security. There is hope. And the blessing may not be in what's in our pocketbooks and how our health looks. The blessing is peace. The blessing is hope. The blessing is just an understanding that God is bigger than what we see around us. That's the blessing. Now, year, last year, uh, my family and I took a day trip to Mount Yona. Y'all ever been there before? Right out between Cleveland and Helen, Georgia. And we had this whole idea that we were going to just hike the mountain. 
all right, as quickly as possible. It was going to be a good trip for our family. We were going to, have, you know, you, you have these idea, idealized understanding about what's going to happen on a trip with your family, right? It's kind of like having a picnic. Picnics look wonderful until you sit down and you realize there's ants, all right? That's every picnic, by the way. So we get there, and we're like, we're going to hike this mountain. It's going to be a great day. We're going to get some exercise in. I want to get 15,000 steps. We're going to lose some weight. We're going to enjoy each other. And then you get to the top. You hate each other. You're exhausted. You get what I'm talking about there? My wife didn't even make it. She rubbed blisters on her foot, and she's the one's. I'll, I'll catch you later. I'm like, I think she lied. But here's the deal. All that's happening, and we, we go up the side of this mountain, and we begin, and we're like, okay, this is going to be like a three- or four-mile round trip. And like, no problem. We can do three or four-mile rounds. We're young. Well, my kids are young. We're in shape. They're in shape. Those types of stuff. We're going to make it. And, and you start to look up the mountain, and it's like, that's going to be really hard. And then as uh, we were about to approach the trailhead, a pregnant lady and two old people walked off the mountain. And you're thinking, okay, shame has got the best of me. I need to walk up the mountain now. So we get to the top, and let me tell you something. It was a very difficult climb for us. We were not prepared for this. But when you get to the top, the view is outstanding. And I think that's the life of a Christian. The rocks are sharp. The hill is steep. And there's difficulty. But the journey is worth it. And what we have to understand, and this is what's so pertinent about this passage, about stepping out of your comfort zone, when you choose to do it, there is a cost. Understand that going into it. Is the cost worth it? Absolutely. But there is a cost. Then what happens next here in this passage is Jesus says this. He, he said to another man, starting in uh, verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. And notice the man's response. Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Now, we don't know if his father's dead or alive. Now, if we understand culturally, if someone died, they typically wouldn't be following Jesus around on the side of the road, okay? Because when someone died in that day and age, you buried them the same day. And there was a big funeral at that moment. So if we take it contextually from a historical perspective, this guy's father is still alive. Make sense? And Jesus responds in this way. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Now that is an offensive statement, right? That is an offensive statement. Because basically he's like saying, I don't care about your dad dying. You follow me. Now the point is, and I want you to dig a little deeper with me on this, when Christ makes this statement, he's basically saying, let the spiritual dead deal with the spiritual dead. You proclaim some form of life. But the perspective we need to cling to as it pertains to stepping out of our comfort zone is not only will there be a cost, but it's also going to be somewhat uncomfortable. Because that was an uncomfortable statement, was it not? And it's at times uncomfortable walking away from the things we value the most. From the things that we think give us the most meaning in life. Have y'all ever had to do that before? Is it you have a value system that you've built up your whole life, but then Christ says you're doing it all wrong? Those are hard words to hear, are they not? But yet, changing our value system changes what we think is uncomfortable versus comfortable. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was a pastor in Nazi Germany. 
and when Hitler took over uh, right before World War II Hitler began to persecute even Christians in the area not just Jews and so Bonhoeffer had friends in England and they were able to sneak him into the United Kingdom and as Bonhoeffer was there he became very convicted to the point to where look Hitler's probably going to lose this war the German Germany I know is going to be in chaos and the German people are going to need ministers who have gone through what they've experienced and so Bonhoeffer went back to Germany continued to minister to the German people and eight days before the war ended was executed because of his faith but he made this statement and I said it before how can I effectively minister to people when I don't know what they've experienced and here's the point that was an uncomfortable decision was it not was it the right decision for him absolutely and the thing is when we make these choices to say these roadblocks keep us from growing in our faith here's the deal most of the time these roadblocks are based upon what's comfortable and what's comfortable uncomfortable what's the loss of a cool point or what's the idea of just remaining the same and keeping the status quo right when you choose to follow Christ there will be seasons when you will feel uncomfortable and one of the things that plagues this culture more than anything else coming close on this is that if it's hard or causes me discomfort I'm not going to do it right if it's hard or causes me discomfort I'm not going to do it is that you I mean I'll be completely transparent with you it's 100% me 100% I mean, I see it played out in how I discipline my children. I see it played out in the choices that I make, what I eat. Because sometimes it's just a whole lot easier to go through Mickey D's than it is to go home and fix a salad, is it not? When you choose to follow Jesus, not only is there a cost, it's also uncomfortable at times. But then we have the trifecta here. And this is the one I hate the most. You ready for this? Get what happens. Verse 61, still another man said, I will follow you. So this guy's heard two guys. One says, Jesus, I'll follow you. And he says, look, I'm homeless. And not only that, I'm going to be rejected. So there's going to be a cost. It'll be a cost to you too. And then he looks at another guy and says, I'm going to follow you. Look, let the dead bury their own dead. Understand this is going to be uncomfortable. You have to change your value system. And he says, still another said, I will follow you, Lord. But first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. So this is guy just wants a moment. He's not wanting to go and live out the rest of the days of his family and, or of his father and watch him you know, die 10, 12, 15, 20 years from now. He's basically wanting to go and just say bye. And notice how Jesus responds here. No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. That is harsh, is it not? This guy's ready to go. He just wants to go, hey, let me just go tell him bye real quick. And Christ is like, hey, no one who puts his hand to the plow and chooses to look backward can follow me. Now, we're going to understand it in the larger context in a minute, but this is the point, and this is what I want you to get here. The past will continually call you back. When you choose to step out of your comfort zone, the past is going to continue to call you back. Now, all of us have experienced that, right? We've had things happen in our past. We have people in our past. Is it when we choose to follow Jesus, we understand there's a cost. We understand we step out, and we fit, we're okay with being uncomfortable. But that whisper, 
that person, that influence, that computer, that television, whatever it may be, constantly tells us, come back. And the thing that's happening here and what Jesus is making very clear is that when you choose to follow me, understand there are going to be people telling you or things telling you or habits telling you, come back. Y'all dealt with that or is it just me? William Borden, Borden was uh, uh, the heir to the Borden Dairy. You've heard of that before, Borden Milk, right? And uh, some of you heard this story before, and it's a fascinating story. Right before, he uh, comes from a very wealthy family, and so in the early 1900s, when he graduated high school, his parents took him a trip to Europe and to different parts of Africa and the Middle East. And he was already a believer, but while he was there, he began, to get, he became convicted and burdened for the Islamic people and felt like, hey, God's called me to be a missionary. And so when I graduate college, I'm going to be a missionary to places in the Middle East and Egypt and things like that. That's what he wanted to do. And so as he went into college, he began to grow spiritually. And he kept a journal, and specifically in the back of his Bible, he wrote three different phrases. The first phrase says this. He said, no reserves. I thought that was interesting because it was written, dated, right after his family said, you're going to inherit the family fortune. And he says, no, I don't want to do that. Now, you've got to think, he would be a billionaire in this day and age. And he wrote next to it, nope, no reserves. And so he went through Yale. He graduated Yale. And as soon as he graduated Yale, all these offers, he was an outstanding student, all these offers came to him for high-paying jobs in different parts of the world because they knew that he had experiences as a family member of one of the wealthiest families in the world. And they also knew he was a bright kid and he was a leader. And they said, hey, come work for us. We're going to pay you big time. And he says, no, I'm called to be a missionary. And on that date in the back of his Bible, he put no retreats. So in the back of his Bible, no reserves, no retreats. So he leaves at 22, 23 years old. He goes overseas. He's, call, he's going to fulfill his calling to be a missionary. And he goes to Egypt to learn Arabic and to speak the language so he could share his faith with those in the Islamic world. And while he was there, he caught uh, uh, a terrible disease and died from it. But five days before he died, he wrote in the back of his Bible, get this, no regrets. So your past is going to continue to call you back. But the thing we regret most is the choices we make to not do what God calls us to do, right? And do we live our life with no regrets, specifically as it pertains to growing in our faith and following Jesus? Because the thing is, every time that we choose comfort, the face of that comfort is fear. And fear is a liar. What keeps us in our comfort zone is the fear of moving forward, is it not? The fear of change. The fear is it's going to be hard. The fear of being uncomfortable. But understand this. Fear is a liar. And what's so profound about the gospel is that there is something better for you. Something majestically better. If you go back to 1 Kings, go all the way to your Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 19. We had another guy named Elisha who had the same decisions as these three guys did who were asked to follow Jesus. In 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah, not Elisha, was the major prophet. And he went all over Israel. 
proclaiming God's glory, proclaiming the good news, proclaiming basically God's judgment. He'd become old and he asked for someone to take his place. And God says, Elisha will take your place. Now, sometimes I get confused with the two. Just remember there's Elijah and Elisha. Make sense? Ja and Sha. All right? So, in verse 19, it says, So Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Saphat. And he was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th player. Now, that means that he was very wealthy, okay? He had 12, 24 oxen. And he was plowing in the fields, and Elijah went up to him and threw his cloak around him. And that symbolized, you're going to be the next prophet. He was handing the torch over to Elisha. Now, understand what happens next. Elisha then left the oxen and ran after Elijah, and he says, let me kiss my father and my mother goodbye. Does that sound familiar to you guys? Jesus just made that statement, right? Now, there's a profound difference here to what happens in Luke chapter 9 and what happened in 1 Kings chapter 19. And notice how Elijah responded. Go back, Elijah replied. What have I done to you? Now, that seems kind of harsh, but basically when Elisha asked this question, that emphasizes the idea that you can go do it. But notice how Elijah responds. So Elijah left him and went back. But notice what he does when he goes back. He took his yoke of oxen and he slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. I want you to get this. He took 24 oxen. He slaughtered them. And then he took the plowing equipment. He burned it and cooked the oxen on top of it and they had a big barbecue. Here's what's profound here. Not that he killed the oxen, but that he burned up the plow, symbolizing this part of my life is over. It's time for me to move forward. And what's so profound about this is very, very simple here. In order to embrace your future, you have to break with your past. Do you hear that? You have to choose to burn the plow. And there is no way you can go back. That is being uncomfortable. But that is the way to spiritual growth. And so what I want to ask you this morning, very simply, is what plows in your life need to be burned? What plows in your life need to be burned down? Now, if you're like me, you've probably got 16, 17, 18, 20, 100 of them, right? But the process of spiritual growth is choosing to burn them so that you can move forward. And these plows can be named different things. It could be named habits. It could be named a hang-up. It could be named a hurt. It could be fear. It could be anger. It could be bitterness. It could be unforgiveness. But see, sometimes even in toxic environments, we choose to be very comfortable, do we not? The toxic environment of being angry, the toxic environment of being hateful, the toxic environment of not forgiving. Those are all things we choose to sit in. But when we choose to burn the plow and follow Jesus, there's some freedom there. Several years ago, I went through a very, very difficult time, me and my whole family. It was just a very, very challenging, hurtful experiences that we had. And won't go into this. 
But, man, I had a hard time getting over it. Still do sometimes. And so one day, I was out in my yard and had a fire pit. and had a fire going. I was burning the limbs that had fallen down from a previous storm or something. And, you know, that's what we do in Georgia, right? If, something burn, if we have a storm, we burn everything. And so I was just following protocol. And uh, I was burning the stuff down, and it just kind of hit me all of a sudden. It's like, man, that hurts. That stings. And I said, you know what? I went inside and got the things that brought memory from that situation, and I put it in the fire pit, and I watched it burn. Now, do I feel better every day because of that? Not always. But I'm going to tell you what. It felt good in that moment, and it helped me begin to walk away. And it was like a release, metaphorically speaking. What do you need to burn, guys? What do you need to walk away from? What do you need to deal with? You see, you're not going to be in the position that God has for you until you choose to deal with it. Until you choose to say, I'm not going to let even what's toxic in my comfort zone, you get this? Hold me back. And so my challenge to you as you struggle through these roadblocks, there's security, there's approval, and there's comfort. And we have all this stuff online. Do a regular diagnostic on your life of saying, what is holding me back? What is the roadblock in front of me now? And then choose to burn the plow. Y'all with me on that? Embrace your salvation. Embrace your salvation from the perspective of saying, I need Christ to come into my life to forgive me so that my past is burned and my forgiveness is reality. But I need to embrace my salvation as a believer so that I live that out day in and day out and reap the joy and peace of knowing who Jesus is. Starting next week, we're going to walk through some of these plows we need to burn in River Hills Church because even organizations can get them, right? We're going to start a new series called Deep and Wide, and we're going to tell you about what's going to be happening over the next three to five years. But in order for that to happen, I think personally, you have to diagnose, hey, these are the plows. These are the issues. These are the comfort zones. These are the security issues. These are the approval and comparison things that I have in my life, and I need to move forward. It begins with Jesus. And if you're here today or if you're online, if you never asked Christ to come into your life, here's the thing. You can text in the phrase, I need Jesus, to the number on the screen, and someone will be in contact with you as soon as possible. You can also fill out the Connect card, and on that Connect card, there's a box that says today I need to know Jesus and if that's you check that box make sure your name and email and phone number on there and drop it in the offering box as you leave we'll scroll those texts that message numbers on up in just a moment but begin to take the steps of faith to move beyond our security our approval and our comfort you with me on that let's pray father we love you and ask God that you would give us the grace and the strength and the wisdom to move forward and that Lord that we would understand and acknowledge who you are that, God, that we would live for you, that we would understand you, and that, God, in these issues of comfort, that we would not allow it to hold us back. For so many of us, we're saying, Lord, this comfort zone is where we need to live, but it's not. Existing in your presence, understanding there's a cost, understanding it will be uncomfortable, and understanding the past is going to call us back, but here's the deal. We get to embrace the joy of knowing Jesus. So, God, speak to us move in us, guide us and direct us. In Jesus' most powerful and perfect name we pray. Amen. Guys,
take those steps of faith, whatever you need to do in order to move forward. We all enter the race, but only one will take the prize. So we work longer, we strive harder with our focus on one thing. It's why we sweat every inch, because every move we make matters. Every choice, every turn, it's all to reach the goal, to arrive at the finish line. We are all racing for something. The question is, what are you racing for?